Glenn Beck. Spartacus has had his victory. Four days. Yes, the Democrats, uh, the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee have done it. They have delayed Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation vote until Thursday. What a victory for Spartacus. All of the theatrics and utter ridiculousness of the past couple of weeks bought them four days. In the meantime, I also want to extend my congratulations for what else they've done. Nice work. Democrats, uh, you have done an amazing job turning the Senate Judiciary Committee into an absolute joke. I seriously think everyone involved, well, maybe not Ben Sass and Mike Lee, everyone involved should just now arrive at work in one clown car. This is this is ridiculous. I mean, are you engaging knowingly into self-satire? As if we needed any reason to look at big government in utter disgust, but nice work on giving us one more reason. Just for a quick recap, this confirmation started off with Democrats shouting down the Judiciary Committee chairperson during his opening comments. Then it rapidly devolved into a showdown between future Democratic presidential hopefuls desperate for camera time. Cory Booker calling himself Spartacus. I am Spartacus. Please, somebody pay attention to me. Somebody call me Spartacus, please. But they saved what I believe is the worst for what I hope is the last. What do you do if all of your insane theatrics fail? Well, you just allege sexual misconduct, obviously. Dianne Feinstein, the ranking Democrat on the committee, recently announced that she had forwarded information to the FBI regarding a possible case, a possible case involving Kavanaugh. She gave absolutely no details. I wonder if it's Anita Hill. <laughs> but she did mention that there were unnamed sources in New York. Oh, good, good, good. New York Times claims it concerns sexual misconduct when Kavanaugh was in high school. Let me say that again. When Kavanaugh was in high school. High school. Okay, how many of us, uh, you know, weren't exactly adults when we were in high school? Oh, I don't know. All of us! Do we know if there was like a Billy Madison situation where he had to reattend high school as an adult? I don't, a- I don't know. I okay. don't. Maybe. Maybe. This is her statement. I have received information from an individual concerning the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Now... That individual strongly requested confidentiality. They've declined to come forward or press the matter even any further than this. And I've honored that decision. But I have referred the matter to the federal investigative authorities. Wait, 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 wait. The individual does not want to be named, does not want to come forward, refuses to press this any further but you've turned it over to you're honoring that request by turning it over to the FBI. I have, I have secret information um, about Senator Feinstein. 
it is bad. It is really bad. It can, it concerns golden showers with elephants. Uh, she was humping Putin's leg. I don't want to say anymore. I don't want to say anymore. I, it's not coming from me. And this person you, I can't identify, doesn't want to come out, will not testify, doesn't want to press this any further. But I'm going to whisper this into the ears of the FBI. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to tell all of the American people about it. I'm just honoring the, you know, the request of of the person who refuses to be named, does not want to press it any further. Are you kidding me? The FBI has already commented saying they are not opening an investigation. Why not with that kind of evidence? How do you not just throw him in jail? I'm sure they're probably a little pissed off at being brought into this theater of the absurd. But I would like to deliver the very hard truth to the Senate Democrats this morning. You've lost your mind. You've lost your mind. Brett Kavanaugh I mean, Brett Kavanaugh, when, when Glenn Beck is like, I don't know about Brett Kavanaugh, I don't think he's strong enough. Are you kidding me? You're, I, I, there's parts of me that hope you turn him down. Just hope you turn him down. Because I would love to see this administration going, oh, okay, that, was guy, that guy was too extreme? Well, let me show you what's behind curtain number two. He'll be fully confirmed in two weeks. He will sit on the Supreme Court. Merrick Garland isn't going to suddenly materialize and conquer a Supreme Court seat by his own hand like Conan the Barbarian. Spartacus has failed. You have embarrassed yourself, you have embarrassed your party, and you have embarrassed the entire country. Congratulations. Here, we'll throw you another match. It's Friday, September 14th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Okay, it is Friday, September 14th. September 11th, 2001, we looked at each other, all of us, all of us, and said, oh man, doesn't it feel good that the nonsense has stopped? Doesn't it feel good that we're actually talking about things that matter in life? I'm never going to go back. I'm going to stay away. I said I'm going to stay wide awake. Look at us. Let me ask you this. We're still fighting a friggin' war. That started in 2001. We're still fighting it. Can you name where our soldiers are? Can you name the countries where our soldiers are? Can you name what we're doing? Can you tell me what we're doing? Who we're fighting? God forbid you say who we're fighting. You can't say who we're fighting. Well, how can we possibly win if we don't even know who we're fighting? September 14th, 2001, we were beginning to see who we were going to fight. We were going to fight people with a perverted idea of what the world should be like. People who blew up these beautiful ancient statues carved from a mountain of Buddha. You remember that? They were world heritage uh, sites blown up because well it's sharia law tells us to 
molesting little girls, marrying them off at eight years old, female genital mutilation, 12th century, if that, might have even made the 12th century look like barbarians. Or the other way around. Now, can we talk about it? No. No, we really can't. Robert Spencer is a guy that we're going to have on the podcast this weekend. You need to hear him. Robert Spencer, and by the way, listen while you can. This is the biggest message I have for you today. Listen while you can. Gather as much information from, the, from, from people that you can. Print it out. I read everything on Kindle. I'm stopping. I'm buying every physical book I can. Because you don't actually own that. They can take that off your Kindle at any time. There's nothing, there's nothing better than a library that can be erased, especially if it's politically incorrect. Now, there's no evidence that that's happening or anybody's even thinking of that happening now. But it can. And in a few minutes, I'll show you what Google is doing and tell me that it won't happen. Here's Robert Spencer. Robert Spencer is a scholar. And he has been trying to warn the world about what he says is Islam. And he's technically correct if you look back to the Quran and you know what it means on how it's written, etc., etc. This is the way, the way they're practicing it over in the Middle East is the way Islam is supposed to function. But there are millions of people. Maybe 90% of those who um, are, are um, Muslim don't agree with the old style. But you have to know what the old style is because those are the people trying to kill us. Here's a bit of the interview. Um, some things that people would um, maybe disagree with. Some things that people should do their own homework and go, wait a minute, he said this. Let me look that up. And go to original sources. You know? Yes. Um, but I haven't heard anything uh, here that makes me say, well, I don't know anything that would make me say this, that you should be silenced. Well, obviously, I don't think I should. But I think that anyone who speaks honestly about the nature of this threat and the fact that there are elements of Islam that give rise to violence. This doesn't mean every Muslim is violent, but that the ones who are are able to justify their actions by recourse to the holy texts. Anybody who speaks honestly about that is nowadays systematically targeted and vilified with an attempt to destroy and completely discredit him. Do you, are we in, are we in McCarthy times? Oh yeah, this is worse than McCarthyism. Those guys could work. You know, they may may worked under pseudonyms, but they could work. I mean, I'm still doing this, but there's no chance I could get any other kind of work, even under a pseudonym, because it would be ultimately discovered, and then that would be that. And the idea that speaking honestly about the, the derivations of the jihad threat and its nature and magnitude today renders one a social pariah, I think, is, is ridiculous and evidence of how topsy-turvy the world is. But that's how it is. Here's a guy who's been deplatformed, completely deplatformed. He is being squashed 
by all sides. In fact, in something new that the left has discovered, which I think is absolutely insidious, MasterCard has come out and said, we won't do any transactions on anything related to him. This is the latest. This is what they're, this is what they're doing now with uh, gun control. They've, New York State has encouraged, um, encouraged those banking facilities to not do any, any transactions and not provide any financial services to those who manufacture guns or sell guns of a certain type. You know, the, the weapon of war, otherwise known as the modern sporting rifle. Is this the America you want to live in? Now, shouting fake news is not going to help us. Actually talking about the issues will. And actually finding ways to reach out to people who are on both sides of the aisle. And I'm not talking about the crazies. I'm talking about people who are beginning to wake up on both sides and saying, wait a minute. People are silencing speech. We cannot even fight a war if we can't identify who we're fighting or what we're fighting. If we said we were just fighting the Germans and we were told we could not ever talk about Nazism. Let me ask you this. If we couldn't talk about Nazism, if we weren't allowed to know what that was, would you feel comfortable with Germans today? Because I wouldn't. Of course you'd be racist. Of course you'd be uh, against the Germans and never trust them. If you were told you can't talk about Nazism because it was the Nazi ideology that actually changed those people and not all of them. Hitler came in with 30%. A lot of people went along with it, but why do they go along with it? They went along with it for the same reason that there are people here in America that stay silent because their lives are at stake because of the zealots that will kill them. I'm going to I'm going to take you to Google next. And I'm going to show you what what's happening in Google right now. I want you to know. That's the voices are being silenced. I want you to know that I I ask Bill O'Reilly, Mark Levin, Ben uh, Shapiro, Rush Limbaugh, everyone. I think everyone on the right, we need to have a summit. We need to have no no press. We need to have a summit. Because Voices are being silenced and someone needs to step to the plate that can provide a platform bigger than anything I can provide or you can provide that will guarantee voices not being silenced. And it's going to require all of us to come out of our our competitive nature. It's going to require all of us to Set aside our differences. If I agree with you 80%, or if you agree with me 80%, it doesn't make you my enemy. 
You're not 20% my enemy. We agree on 80%. We have to put our differences aside, and the American people have got to start understanding what is happening in this country because it's not happening in Washington. It's happening in Silicon Valley and in the banking sector. Sponsor this half hour is uh, Casper. How do you get a good night's sleep? Well, you don't think about the things that I'm thinking about. Uh, Or you get yourself a Casper, a really comfortable mattress that helps you get a good night's sleep. Once you try Casper, you're going to love it. Switching to Casper, really a no-brainer. If you need a new mattress... I want you to try this. This is a very high-quality mattress at a very affordable price. Uh, And I want you to try it in your own home. You can go to a mattress store, but I'm telling you, A, you're going to pay for all of the middleman stuff. So you're going to get a a mattress at lesser quality because they have to jack up the price because of the middleman. And that's not the way to try out a mattress, to flop around in a store in your clothes. Here's the thing. Casper lets you try it out for 100 nights. Casper has 35,000 five-star reviews for all of their products across Casper, uh, Google, and Amazon. 35,000 five-star reviews. Sleeping on a mattress is the best way to try it. Put it to the test in your own home for 100 nights risk-free. Go to casper.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code G-L-E-N-N for $50 off the purchase of select mattresses. That's casper.com slash Glenn, promo code Glenn, and get $50 off the purchase of select mattresses. Casper.com, terms and conditions do apply. The uh, weekend podcast, brand new. If you are a subscriber to the podcast, the Glenn Beck Radio podcast, you get a couple of options. You can listen to the entire show, uh, the three-hour broadcast, or you can listen daily to an hour um, cut down, just the best parts. Well, the best parts, and then some. Uh, if we did it the best part, it'd be about eight minutes. But we we have the best eight minutes, and then you know the rest of the stuff. Uh, common misconception of a best of yeah. is w- no one is claiming it's good. Yeah. We're just saying it's the best <laughs> we can do. Best we can do. Right. It's the best we can do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that happens every day. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, uh, you also now get an extra show. Um, and this show is uh, commercial free, or I should say uninterrupted. It's commercial free right now, but it's uninterrupted. Uh, and it's a conversation with somebody who I think you should meet. This week, it's Robert Spencer. He has written the book um, History of Jihad. I thought it was appropriate for uh, September 11th. He goes into the history of jihad, where we've been, what we can say, what we can't say now. This guy is under attack. He, uh, he, he comes with massive credentials. And he's being shut out and he's being deplatformed he is being silenced he is now under attack by mastercard by the way mastercard has done this to someone else as well and i would if i have a mastercard i would change um and you know deplatform them in your life i don't <laughs> like the i don't like the fact that they are now saying you know hey we've got this political point of view and we're not going to provide any financial services for people we disagree with. That's a real problem. Anyway, sign up now for the uh, podcast. You can do it at glenbeck.com or Stitcher or iTunes, wherever. Sign up, 
rate, and review. Glenn Beck. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We have so much to discuss and literally so little time. I can't believe that three hours, we can't get it all done, but we can't. World is very, very complex, and there are many stories that are coming together. Let me go back to Robert Spencer. He is a guy who is um, <clears throat> who is being deplatformed. Uh, he is he is being deplatformed with financial services as well. Mastercard will not do business with anyone who does business with him. Uh, it's really truly frightening. This is worse than the McCarthy era. This is a guy who is a scholar who wrote the history of jihad. He is um, somebody who is very buttoned up. You may not agree with him, but you have to know history before you start to make claims. Have you read his work? Or are you just knee-jerk reaction? Here he is on um, the, the treatment he receives at universities. The last chapter is called The, the West Loses the Will to Live. And it is all about how our response to 9-11. And Actually, Sarah, that's cut two. Olivia, can, can I take cut four, please? Cut four. I was speaking last year at the university at Buffalo, but I really didn't speak. I just got yelled at for an hour and a half. Mm. And I was standing there, and every now and then I would say something. But most of the time they were just yelling too loud. I couldn't say anything. But there was a young man in the audience. He had a sign that said, Queers Against Islamophobia. And so I had a manual of Islamic law with me, certified by Al-Azhar, the foremost institution in Sunni Islam, where Barack Obama went to give his outreach speech to Mm -hmm. the Muslim world in 2009. And I opened it up and I started to read about how the homosexual should be killed, should be put to death, both him who gives and him who receives, the whole thing very set out. The whole place started to boo and boo and boo. And I held up the book. I said, you think I wrote this? You think this comes from me? And a young man came over in a kufi and a kaftan with the beard, and he hugged the queers against Islamophobia guy and said, this is my best friend. And I said, look, I didn't originate these laws. Gays are being killed, put to death in Iran, in Saudi Arabia, in the ISIS domains, elsewhere, anywhere okay, where Sharia is implemented. Listen, here's a guy. You can hear that whole um, interview. It's fascinating, and I highly recommend it. In fact, I would I don't even know if you can do this, but I would burn it to uh, DVD. Um, uh, I highly recommend that you listen to this this guy and make your own mind up. But do your own homework. Find out why you disagree with him. It will make you stronger either way. So he's being silenced. Now, we know that um, Google through some smuggled video, these guys think that, I mean, they, they just are terrified of America. In fact, please play the Google executive uh, on the move to Canada. This is Eileen Naughton. She is the uh, vice president of people operations at Google. The second question is around internal mobility. Can I move to Canada? <laughs> now listen how she treats this. This is after the election. Now, one could guesstimate that at least 50% of Americans are interested in moving to Canada right now. <laughs> and that might mean maybe at least 50% of Googlers might be interested in moving to Not Canada. Not a chance. Uh, Toronto and uh, Waterloo can't handle us all, I'm afraid. But she goes on to say, but we will move people. 
I mean, are you are you that unaware of what America is, what we represent, how important it is that we retain our Constitution and the Bill of Rights? You want to move to Canada because you're afraid what your voice will be silenced? What you'll be rounded up? Did you see the uh, story from England with the LBGTBQISLMNOP uh, groups that are now talking about humane gulags for those people who are homophobic or transphobic because they have to be removed from society? We are not a people that burn books. We are not a people that silence people. We cannot ever become those people. Right now, Google is in bed with China. They are, they are developing Android devices, a Chinese search app for Android devices. Now, they've turned this down before, but suddenly, for some reason, they want to get in bed with Google. Or Google wants to get into bed with China. So... This is we've talked about this before. This is extraordinarily dangerous. If you know what's happening, China 2020, what their goal is, what they will unleash, because it's already in operation in three of the cities of China. This is their stated goal of complete control of people, their communications, their thoughts, their actions, their spending, total control by 2020. Now, you would think that uh, an organization like Google wouldn't want to have anything to do with that. But instead, they are they are doing um, uh, development on a an app codenamed Dragonfly. It was designed to remove content that China's authoritarian government views as sensitive, such as information about political des- uh, dissidents, free speech, democracy, human rights and peaceful protests. Google is in bed with China. If they will help remove speech in China, what makes us think they will not do the same to us or are not doing the same to us now? I want to read something. In a book that I find um, frightening... Uh, on multiple levels, and I, I really, really want to I, I really want to sit down and talk to this guy. I don't know if he will. We've had him on the show before. Um, his name is Yuval Noah Harari, and he's just written 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. I just want you to listen um, uh, to what he has uh, what he has just uh, said is is coming. The 21st century what is it what is it really going to look like he says even more important the twin revolutions of infotech and biotech could restructure not just economies and societies but our own bodies and minds in the past we humans learned to control the world outside of us we had very little control of the world on the inside of us We knew how to build a dam and stop a river from flowing, but we didn't know how to stop the body from aging. 
We knew how to design an irrigation system, but we had no idea how to design a brain. If a mosquito buzzed in our ear and disturbed our sleep, we knew how to kill the mosquito. But if a thought buzzed in our mind and kept us awake at night, most of us did not know how to kill the thought. The revolutions in biotech and infotech will give us control of the world inside of us and will enable us to engineer and manufacture life. We will learn how to design brains, extend lives, and kill thoughts at our discretion. Still quoting, nobody knows what the consequences will be. Humans, after all, were always far better at inventing tools than using them wisely. It is easier to manipulate a river by building a dam than it is to predict all of the complex consequences that this will have for the wider ecological system. Similarly, it will be easier to redirect the flow of our minds. Similarly, similarly, I can't even say that word. It will be easier to redirect the flow of our minds than to divine what that will do to our personal psychology and our social systems. In the past, we gained the power to manipulate the world around us and reshape the entire planet. Because we didn't understand the complexity of the global ecology, the changes we made has inadvertently disrupted the entire ecological system. And now we face an ecological collapse. You can agree or disagree. In the coming century, biotech and infotech will give us the power to manipulate the world inside us and reshape ourselves. But because we don't understand the complexity of our own minds, the changes we will make will uh, we do not know the changes we will make that if they will upset our mental system to such an extent that we, too, may break down. What are we doing talking about tweets? What are we doing fighting about, you know, Norm MacDonald said something and so he's been kicked off the Tonight Show. If we're kicking people off the frickin' Tonight Show for having an opinion, what do you think is coming our way? If we have someone as powerful as Google getting in bed with a country as evil as China is and helping them silence voices and information, what makes you think they're not already willing to do this here? This week, I've presented evidence from Media Matters. They are already receiving raw data on all of the interactions online with Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. They have access to the raw data. Who else has access to our raw data? I certainly don't. Boy, I'd love to see that. I bet Google, Facebook, YouTube wouldn't let me see it. They are also now advising Google, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter on what's offensive and what's not. What's hate speech and what's not. Are you comfortable with this? Um, do you know they passed a big law in Europe 
uh, uh, the UK? Yes. No, uh, it was Europe. Was it Europe overall, European Union law? Um, that said that now all of these big tech companies have to, if you ask for it, prepare all of this information and show you exactly what they have and give it to you. So it's the idea being transparency, you own your data, all of that. Of course, then you're giving all of this really important data to someone who's much less prepared and able to protect it from God only knows who's trying to find it from you know, from hackers and things like that. But it's interesting to see because now they have, I think it's Facebook has weekly standard. They put them on the fact-checking team. Good. Right? And it's a good thing, right? It's, you know, you have a conservative uh, organization that can actually look at these things. Well, they fact-checked a Think Progress piece. And now the left is making all the same arguments. Now, this has happened to them one time. And Once. it's happened to the right Once. a zillion times. But they're making all the same arguments. What? We're just going to have a weekly standard come in here and say that our article is wrong? They now they're saying they're going to cut the uh, access for this think progress piece, which, by the way, Weekly Standard was completely right on. It is a complete lie, but they're going to cut cut the reach of that article by eighty percent because it's not true. Now it, it they are right; it isn't true. It's typical think progress, and they lie all the time. But are you can are you comfortable with anyone silencing anyone? Because I am not. I am not comfortable with the weekly standard telling anyone don't run that story or reduce its penetration. And I'm not comfortable with anyone, uh, you know, media matters, politifact or anything, telling anyone on the other side, don't run that. I believe in the American people. Treat us like adults. And more importantly, respect the freedom of dissent the freedom of speech, no matter how ugly it is, it is the only way that people can remain free. By the way, a lot of this is covered in my new book, Addicted to Outrage. Um, pick it up because it will open your eyes uh, and it will show you a path forward because the strategies that we're using now are not leading us anywhere uh anywhere good they are short-term fixes you want to fix this read addicted to outrage available everywhere next tuesday buy it in advance now and have it delivered tuesday by the way the audiobook is really good i i did it myself and it's you know i mean what do you expect i mean pride is a sin right now I thought right, but I but I already started the oh. show saying that you know it's the best of, which doesn't mean it's oh, good. Okay. It's just the best I could do. It's good for you. So yeah, it's Got good it. for me. Anyway, uh, simply safe home security, great security system, fantastic protection, uh, and really really easy to use. Simply simply safe is now valued at a billion dollars. What that means to me is here's a company that started with us I don't know five ten years ago, and they had I think five employees. And uh, they had an idea, and their idea was, we're, we're building something entirely different. We're building something better. We're building something that will help people, serve people, give them control of their lives. And uh, we looked at it, and we thought, this was great. And so we introduced them to you. Now, two million homes later, and I don't <laughs> know how many businesses... They have taken off because they've never lost the spirit of, we just want to help people. Never gave us an opportunity to invest, though. I noticed that. Yeah, no, it's just kind of strange, isn't it? Safe. Yeah, kind of leaving us good people. And you, will, um, you will love the uh, product because it's, I think it's the best in the business. 
Uh, it is really affordable. You own it. You're in control. There's no contracts. And the service monthly, if you want it, is $14.95 a month. So it's 15 bucks a month and, and you're covered. Simply Safe. Go to simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Go there, get 10% off your home security system, and uh, change the way your family is protected. Simplysafebeck.com. Glenn Beck. Mercury One is already uh, in the Carolinas and already uh, preparing aid for those who need it. Hurricane Florence came in yesterday. It has made landfall as a Category 1 which is a tremendous blessing. It is traveling south, which is not the best, uh, and it's staying on the coastline. If you would like to help those who need help, we are already there on, uh, you know, on land. And I bet, I'll bet by this point, we're also in boat. Uh, MercuryOne.org. We need your help and donations at MercuryOne.org. The country has been pushed to the limit. Our political bonds have been torn apart. We need a true leader who can save us from certain doom. (laughs) Unfortunately, we can only find this guy. Hey, it's Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck is coming live to talk about the right path forward and to make fun of the people standing in the way. He might not be able to save the country, but at least we can all go down laughing. Glenn Beck Live, the Addicted to Outrage Tour, on tour this fall. For tickets, VIP packages, and more, visit glennbeck.com. By now, uh, thanks to the incessant fear-mongering by Democrats, you're probably aware that American women are going to lose all of their rights. We're going to keep them in cages uh, as soon as Kavanaugh becomes Supreme Court justice. In fact, we're not even going to wait for him to be sworn in. We're just we're starting to. Yeah, FEMA's FEMA's already starting to acquire all the cages for women. Um, now, of course, that's not true, but that hasn't stopped anyone from believing those kinds of hysteria uh, hysterics. The anti-Kavanaugh hysteria now has inspired Democrats in Maine to get creative because one of their senators, sort of Republican, Susan Collins, is considered a potential deciding vote in Kavanaugh's confirmation. And they are threatening to donate a million dollars to her 2020 Democratic opponent unless Collins votes no on Kavanaugh. Using a crowdfunding site called CrowdPack, two groups called Maine People's Alliance and Mainers for Accountable Leadership posted a listing that says people of Maine um, are asking you to be a hero, Senator Collins. If you fail to stand up for the people of Maine and for Americans across the country, every dollar donated to this campaign will go to your eventual Democratic opponent in 2020 and we will get you out of office. The project has already received pledges from 37,000 people totaling over a million dollars. And in a weird way, they're basically attempting to buy her vote. In some circles, this would be known as bribery. But the founding fathers couldn't have seen it, you know, on a crowdsourcing. Uh Aha. Senator Collins released a statement calling it extortion. And one of the groups behind the effort called her response politics at its worst. Really? The main group's twist is that if Colin votes no on Kavanaugh, they supposedly won't collect the pledges from their 37,000 donors, but they're still using it, uh, using the pledged money to try to induce Collins to vote the way they want. They're just not offering the money directly to Collins like your typical old fashioned kind of bribe. Like many poorly conceived schemes in our uh, social media age, Maine Democrats, I don't think you've thought this one through. 
because bribery is a federal crime. And just because, you know, this is kind of hipster and an inverse bribe, several legal experts think this is technically still a bribe. And could these groups be shooting themselves in the foot with this strategy? What if by trying to force Collins to vote no on Kavanaugh, they inadvertently cause her to vote yes, simply to avoid looking like she was influenced by their scare tactics? And just when you thought politics couldn't get any more bizarre. It's Friday, September 14th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We go to Bill O'Reilly now, um, who I know wants to lead uh, with an apology because he said last week that he didn't think the um, the, the um, Bob Woodward book would sell. And now that it's, a you know, the biggest selling book of all time, including, I think, the Bible. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's going to lead with that. Hello, Bill. Well, let's be accurate. I didn't I said I didn't think it would have legs. The book would have legs in the sense that it will be a bestseller, um, you know, for months. Okay. But Can I, I ask you wrong the, on that? I mean, look. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. You. I'm just kidding you. Have you read the book? I have not. Okay. Stu has, because I haven't had a chance to read it yet um, either. I do the work that America doesn't want to do. Correct. Mm -hmm. And he brought up a really good point this morning. Yeah, there's an interesting section, Bill. uh, I'd at least like to get your take on this part of it, because the last chapter is actually, I I took it as really favorable to Trump. Um, It's about the Russian collusion investigation with Mueller, and Trump comes off as incredibly cooperative with Mueller. The entire White House, very cooperative with him, giving him everything he could possibly want, largely based on the idea that they were totally convinced they've done absolutely nothing wrong and they had nothing to hide. They gave him much more than they even asked for. And uh, and this, you know, a lot lot of the reporting has revolved around this comment that one of uh, Trump's lawyers made to Trump where he said, you know, you'll be in an orange jumpsuit. Uh, But that's not that's from that section. And the section is very positive on Trump. And it's not about collusion. It's about the idea that Trump wanted to testify and Dowd, his lawyer, was like, look, it's a perjury trap. They're going to find any way they can to trap you. Yeah, This isn't even about Russia anymore. They're going to trap you. You can't do it no matter what, you know, no matter what, you just can't do it or you'll be in an orange jumpsuit. That's a totally different story than what the press is reporting. Well, I think Woodward himself is selling the book as, (laughs) excuse me. A cautionary tale that if you put an inexperienced, um, egotistical person in the White House, you're going to have chaos. That's how Woodward himself is selling the book. So I'm glad Stu read it. I didn't know the last chapter was about that. I had Ken Starr on the No Spin News on BillOReilly.com this week, and he said flat out that what has been uh, put forth so far um, there's no crime at all. Right. That's what Starr said. Right. Okay. So you get you get a position where if, if Woodward himself is going to say, look, I need to sell this book, and this is exactly what he did, to people who don't like Trump, because nobody who likes it is going to read the book, then I'm going to have to go negative and, and spin it that way, and that's what, what you're seeing. So while you know how I feel about the media in general, I don't think it's a media play here. I think it's a Woodward play. Let me um, let me change topics here on uh, Diane Feinstein. Oh, geez, this is phenomenal. Uh, it, it, 
unbelievable. Can you can you recap for anybody who doesn't I can, know? The story? I can give you an update too. Okay, give me the give me first. Let's me. go. Let's go for I, the recap, and then you can give the update. All right, I, I just want to reemphasize how lucky you are to have me every Friday. <laughs> oh my I'm gosh, just, Bill! I I get up every it. morning and I fall to my knees and I say thank you. I, I Jesus. know. I mean, I'm on it and all that. Right, I know. So there's a letter that was given to a, a Democratic Congressperson in California. Pass it along to Diane Feinstein this summer. The letter was written by someone we have no idea who that uh, details something that happened to Brett Kavanaugh when he was in high school. High school. Yeah, we don't know what. Right. right. And we don't know who and the person who the writer is. And and we don't know what is in the letter. Right. And the person who gave it to Feinstein said, I don't want to press charges. I don't don't want to get involved. Don't want to get involved. But here's the letter. Yes. So Feinstein sits on the letter. Okay. instead of immediately turning it over to the FBI, he does background checks. And that's why the FBI is involved. The FBI does background checks on all Supreme Court justice nominees. Instead of immediately saying, you know, look, I don't know what this is. It could be totally bogus. Here, FBI, is a letter. I'm going to wash my hands of it, and I'm not going to say anything about it. No. Feinstein sits on the letter and then allows someone in her staff, I believe, it could be, I could be wrong, could be the congressperson's staff member, to leak it. To leak that, that this is, oh, this is some misconduct. Don't I love that word, misconduct, on a part of Brett Kavanaugh when he was in high school. Okay, so nobody knows whether it's true or not. It's leak. So it gets out. Okay, so now today, just about an hour ago, uh, the Guardian, not a reliable source. It's a far left newspaper out of Britain. Wait, before you wait, wait, before you say anything. Yes. Stu, is there anything that happened in high school other than murder or, (laughs) or something like that? Something that you did when you were 16 years old? I mean, obviously a major crime. A major it? crime. Right, like if people do really dumb right. things but that are awkward, a, but if there's a huge crime, obviously right. that would still hold. You're raping people. Right. You're killing animals. Uh, okay, I, we need to talk about that. All right, what did they All say? Right, so but, but, but it's misconduct. Yes. So you know what the flag is there. You absolutely know what it is. Everybody who the far left wants to destroy is guilty of misconduct. So me too can get involved. I mean, it's the biggest witch hunt in this country's history. But I digress. The Guardian reports, and again, unreliable newspaper, that Brett Kavanaugh and another kid were at a party, a high school party, whereupon they locked some girl in a room and ran away. And the girl got out. That's what they're reporting is in the letter. Well, they locked her in the room and then they raped her? No. They ran away. They, they locked her in the room and they fondled her? No, they ran away. They, they locked her in the room and uh, <laughs> yeah, we got vendor, very gender about. specific with her? <laughs> I don't know. We don't know what we're talking about because this is The Guardian. I, I want to just make sure that everybody But even if it is that. The Guardian, if that's what you got... That's uh, what they say that it's in the letter. So even oh the New God. York Post, which is one of the top drivers of misconduct even their editorial board said today this is a new low for the democratic party 
Now, I don't know whether I, I've seen lower things. The, the uh, F- I think the Susan Collins stuff is lower. The, the, FB, uh, the FBI uh, uh, came out and said they're not even they're, they're not considering this. <laughs> they're just they're not going to do anything on this and pursue it. Of course it. not. I mean, it, this is and, uh, you know, it's not been front and center on the cable news programs because of the category one now rainstorm in yeah. the Carolinas, which they so, hyped to death. And so they can't wedge this Kavanaugh thing in yet. So that Kavanaugh got a break on that. Okay, let me ask you this, Bill. As I was, I got up this morning and um, I was listening to um, the Daily. It's the New York Times, you know, twenty-minute update, and no. they do an interview with somebody, and it's it's fascinating to listen to. And uh, they had Bob Woodward on a couple of days ago, and uh, they were they were talking to him, and and they started talking about. Um, sources and uh, hidden sources and unnamed sources and the importance of those. And Bob was talking about the importance of those in the Nixon um, era. And I, I kind of understand. I mean, I think there is a place for unnamed sources, but you better trust the journalists and the organizations above them, uh, which nobody does now. But right. what I was concerned about is if we are really just going to start to accept unnamed sources, things like she just did, no one's going to survive. Only the person with the loudest megaphone and the biggest number of mob members behind them will be able to survive. Look, it's reached critical mass and everybody knows it. And by the way, Beck, um, did you listen to that podcast before or after you were on your knees thinking that I was on your program today? <laughs> uh, during. During. Okay, during. Yeah, I'm like, dear baby Jesus, help me with one ear uh, uh, listen to the podcast from the New York Times and the, and the other it. side of my okay. mouth. Thank you for Bill O'Reilly. Okay. So I think that everybody in America who's fair-minded, which I would put it about 50% of the population, um, understands now that if you are in politics – if you have any political sway or influence, that you are going to be accused. It's a matter of when, not if. And you're going to be accused, most likely, of misconduct. Okay? Now, it doesn't matter whether there's any truth to it. It doesn't matter um, what it is. It's going to hit you and hurt you. The extent of the harm, I think, is going to decline because now people are going every blank and day, we see another headline about another person, usually a man, in power, who's accused of misconduct. In the long, in the long run, this yes. hurts anybody who is actually being hurt by somebody powerful. This whole movement is so misguided and such a witch hunt and empowered for political purposes. The whole movement is not a witch hunt, but there are elements of it that have been... I think the movement, the, the, the idea wait a, minute, that, wait a minute, Stu. Hold on. Yeah. Have you seen any call from the quote-unquote movement for due process? Yeah, I haven't. I mean, I, certainly I there's been not. calls for Harvey Weinstein to be prosecuted for his crimes. Yeah, but I don't think that's... Well, is that's that the movement? That's, that's, that's regular yeah. people, I think, that might no, say... That's law saying, enforcement... Okay, that's a different situation. That's not a, an anonymous letter no. handed to a politician I, I, who I guess, then leaks it to the press. Right. I guess if you're saying that um, people who might hashtag me too, 
because they want this to stop and they think that the bad guy should go to jail or pay a price for it. If that's what you would consider the movement. But I look at the movement like the people who are at the very top of Black Lives Matter. They are not the same people necessarily that are marching in the streets. Their goals and the goals of the people right. marching in the streets are a lot different. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, we're going to come back with you and something something that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said this week in an interview that I think I think is stunning. Um, and I would like you to hear your comments on that coming up in just a second. First, let me tell you about filter by new study just came out, said air pollution causes huge reduction in intelligence. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? High pollution levels led to significant drops in test scores with language and arithmetic. The average uh, impact equivalent to having lost an entire year. The average is like losing an entire year of education. I was up at the ranch, which is up in the mountains um, recently, a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't see the mountain that is literally across the street. Now, that's that foothill is maybe, I don't know, mile and a half away. Maybe, maybe. I couldn't see it. Mm. People who live in the area all the time, live their whole lives, have never seen that before. Uh, and it was, it was astounding. And it was all because of all of the crap blowing in from the wildfires from California and from Canada and Oregon. It's horrible. All of that stuff is now in your HVAC filter, and it's been it's been tracked all the way as far as you know Washington D.C. and Baltimore. Your HVAC filter needs to be changed, and the people that can do it for you is FilterBuy.com. They'll they'll even give you a discount of five percent if you just sign up for the regular you know delivery where every six months or whatever the HVAC system requires. Um, they'll just send it and it'll be delivered to your house. You just pull the old one out, put the new one in, and you're done. It's filterby.com. All made here in America. Filterby.com. Make it easy, breathe easier with filterby.com. Welcome back to the uh, program with uh, Mr. Um, Mr. Bill O'Reilly. Um, Bill, let me play an, a piece of audio from. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she's being interviewed on stage and she's asked about the process that we're going through with Kavanaugh. Listen to this. How would you compare the process that you went through with what's going on today in that process? The way it was, was right. The way it is, is wrong. The atmosphere in 93... Uh, it was truly bipartisan. The vote on my confirmation was 96 to 3. Even though I had spent about 10 years of my life litigating cases under the auspices of the ACLU board, uh, ACLU, and I was on the ACLU board and one of their general counsels. But that's the way it should be. Okay, stop. Bill, here she is saying, you know, the Republicans let me pass, even though I was on the ACLU board and I was litigating uh, things for the ACLU. They would never, the, Rep- the Democrats would go crazy now if, if any candidate had done anything for even the Heritage Foundation. What does this tell you about what she just said 
Well, you know, I'm of two minds on this. I think uh, the justice is being honest and describing what happened to her and then what's happening now. Uh, I think the three people who voted against her in the Senate were probably right. I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has done a lot of damage to the country. And she admits that she is not um, looking to uphold the Constitution, that she believes the Constitution is evolving. Correct. So therefore, she can vote on whatever her politics are. So here's the but here's the problem, isn't it? That everyone is they want somebody on their side. A judge yeah, should right. a judge should be selected because the constitution or the rule of law is is the side that they're on. I mean if we if we had people that were deciding things on the constitution based on the constitution um, the world would be a much different place, and we could advise and consent. But nobody's looking to the Constitution as its basis. They're looking at policies. But that's never going to happen again in America. So what's the cliche? The genies left the bottle, the horses out of the barn. Um, then shouldn't we have... I mean, then shouldn't we, It's not going to happen. Okay, then shouldn't we, have a t- entirely, shouldn't we have an entirely different conversation then? About well, what what it, what we want going forward, because but it's, there's no we anymore. It's them versus us. Look, there. Look at the sanctuary cities policy. Okay, so these people get elected and they're sworn to uphold the Constitution. Correct? The mayors and the governors and all these people. Well, I'm gonna. They raise their hand. I'm gonna okay. uphold the Constitution. All right. Well, let's pick well, this up. Let's pick this up when we come back. We have just a couple of seconds. When we come back, pick it up there. You're listening to the Glenn Beck program. So we started this conversation with Bill O'Reilly a few minutes ago where, um, you know, he said that it's just not going to happen to where we're going to advise and consent anymore. We're not going to we're not going to find those people who are um, who are, you know, just wanting to read the Constitution as as it was written, uh, because we're we're too highly divided now and we're, we're we've politicized all this. Do I have that right, Bill? Yes, and the best example of sanctuary cities, the mayors and the governors take an oath uh, upon their swearing in. I'll uphold the Constitution. The Constitution says that you follow federal, state, and local law. If you're a citizen, this is your duty as a citizen. And all of a sudden, the governors and mayors say, no, we're not going to follow federal law on immigration. We're going to do what we want. Correct. So when you reach a point, and that is an extreme point, People should understand it. Mm-hmm. Been mainstreamed by the media, but it isn't mainstream. Okay, this is basically repudiating the law of the land and embracing anarchy. Once you reach that point where it's acceptable for public servants, whether they're judges or elected officials, to discard the Constitution at will, then you have what you have now where nothing matters other than my politics. Okay, so you said we're not going back there. We're not going back to a... No, it's not going to happen. So then, uh, this is an honest question. This is an honest question. Right now, we're in a world where if if we're all being honest with each other, the left, the Democrats, they were not voting for Hillary. Most of them were voting against Trump. And most of the people that voted for Trump were voting against Hillary. It's not what they were for. It was what they were against. And we are now entering a time where we are so afraid of 
my side being silenced, that I will vote for someone that will silence them instead. That's not good. Am I just am I am I wasting my breath and my, you know, I think there are Americans who are genuinely enthusiastic about liberal causes in the Democratic Party and vice versa, traditional causes and the Republican Party. I think there are. But the fear that we're going to be a socialist country does drive a lot of people to vote for Donald Trump and Republicans. There's no doubt about that. Right. And it's not and it's. It's not a, it's it's not an unbased fear when no. you have candidates who last night in New York and I'd love to touch base with you on this sure. you know are socialists they're declared socialists and there's a difference between somebody who wants a welfare state and somebody who wants socialism I mean even the 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 president what was it Denmark uh, I think came over to the United States and said I just want you to know, Bernie Sanders keeps saying we're a socialist country. We're not. We're a capitalist country that has a lot of welfare. That's different. So I I get that. But I just want to ask you again this one last question, because I feel like you're saying to me, Glenn, it's not coming back. Well, if it's not coming back, then I'm wasting my time fighting for something that means nothing to anyone. I believe in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. I believe once we are somehow or another reminded that that's what stops all of this nonsense, we'll return. But if we're not returning, then we should have a different discussion. And that is, okay, socialism or what? Well, there are politicians and there are people in the judiciary, i.e. judges, who will uphold the Constitution back. I was told I was told by someone that you're whose name you would know in Congress uh, just in the last few weeks. And they said to me, Glenn, I can count the number of people in Washington in power that actually believe in the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. I'm not that cynical. I, I think there are people who do believe it. And those are the people that you have to vote for. And and, and you have to promote what their policies are if you believe the person sincere. But when when you see how Cynthia Nixon, and I'll remind everybody that she played Nancy Reagan in my movie Killing Reagan. Mm-hmm. I know the woman for uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. How insane, insane her policies are. They're not misguided. They're not wrong. They're insane. They would destroy the state of New York. Okay, 35% of the Democratic Party voted for her. Because A, they don't know anything, and B, they like to destroy the state. They want to destroy the country. May I tra- wait, wait, wait. May I, may I translate and see if this is a fair translation? They don't, th- or let me rephrase it, and if it's not fair, tell me so. When you say something like that, if I'm a Democrat, I'm like, you know what? They don't want to destroy New York. They live in New York. So rephrasing, they um, they are looking at her policies and they think that these are going to work. And in my opinion, they're completely uninformed because we have a long list of history that shows they don't work. And uh, they don't think that what's happening now is working. Wrong, Beck. Okay, why? The moneyed Democrats voted for Cuomo, 65%. The people with assets, the people who have 
very expensive apartments in Manhattan and cars and jobs did not vote for Nixon. But 35% of people who live in New York City don't have anything. They live in rent control. They live in public housing. They barely get by. Right, and they don't they think that this... They want to blow it all Because up. they don't think that this system is working. Right. Because no one is so telling them and showing them that it is, but they just think it's not working. So it's not that they... I don't think the average Trump voter, when he says, I want to burn the system down, he doesn't mean I don't want to live in America anymore. He means this what's happening in Washington, D.C. is not working now. I'd like sure, to. It, it, but it's not the same thing. I mean, one is uh, real life and, and trying to get by uh, and support your family and put food on the table. And the other is theoretical. We don't want a PC nation. We don't want these politicians who lie to us. Um, we want a much more uh, in-your-face situation where we know uh, if Trump says he's going to do something, he'll do it. So it's different. But what I'm trying to get across to you is that the gulf is so huge, huge. between Glenn Beck, Bill O'Reilly, Stu, people who have actually worked hard, got an education, tried very hard in the, in the marketplace to succeed and have have um, actually gotten some success in a system of cap of capitalism no but wait and a minute the but other, in a system the in a system of capital in a system of capitalism where quite honestly um it was stacked against us i mean i would well, be not, much I more anybody feeling sorry for me i can't no, no, no i'm not that. asking for that i'm not right. asking for that i'm just saying we do know what it's like to yes. be in we a, a we had to overcome we yes. shall yeah i mean not i don't wouldn't know if i'd use that phrase but yes but there's but there's a cadre and it comes out of the university system in high schools and embraced by the media of victimization the mob okay that they tell you you can't make it white privilege okay you're never going to succeed no matter what you do this is the victimization movement and that's what you're seeing with Cynthia Nixon and Bernie Sanders. They're, they're trying to whip up this victimization that we'll, we'll give stuff to you because you can earn it no matter what you do. Right. It's an unfair system. All right. So that's the gulf. That's you, what we're seeing. You wrote, a, uh, you wrote an op-ed uh, today about evil. And I want to talk to you about this because it does revolve around your book a bit. Um, and you're saying that it's... It's, uh, you know, people historically don't stand up against evil. Um, and I think I think there is a chance that people stand up against evil. Um, but we have to be very, very careful on encouraging them to do so because we can push them into the arms of evil really easily. And I think that's happening right now. Um, there are two aspects of my vantage point on evil, and, and you were right. It comes off writing Killing the SS. And, then, and one of the shocking things about that book is that the concentration camp guards of Nazi Germany were merchants and farmers and bankers. Correct. And, you know, they, they the were average person. Yeah, they were just people before the war who was walking down the street, and all of a sudden they're killing babies and walking away having dinner. All right, you need to read that. You need to absorb it because there's evil in every human being. Every single human being 
has the capacity for evil, and you have to recognize it, and you have to fight against it. Now, externally, we're living in a country now where we have mass killings in high schools. We have thousands of poor black people being shot in the streets in Chicago. We have clergy molesting children. What do you think that is? It's evil. That's evil. All right. And on a, on a much lesser basis, but something visible, we have betrayal of, of human beings by their spouses. We have the media trying to tear people apart for ideological reasons. We have uh, a justice system that doesn't render justice many times. All of this is evil. And we're not seeing politicians say, hey, you know what? We got to really get the Chicago situation under control. Have you seen anybody do that? No. 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 And, and I'm sitting there going, how much evil do you have to see before you mobilize against it? And that's why I wrote this Killing the SS. Because Germany, before World War II, is not different than the United States in 2018. No, it's really not. It's the same people doing the same things. Let's try to struggle to make a living. In, in an atmosphere that was increasingly difficult. And what did they do? They surrendered en masse to evil. And you need to know what happened there, because it could certainly happen here, and is happening to some extent. This Holocaust that we're seeing in Chicago, this bothers me to the core of my being. We're letting poor blacks who are, un, who are defenseless, Okay, and we don't do anything about it. Where's the National Guard? Why aren't they on the streets of Chicago stopping the 150 shootings every weekend? Why? They could be there, but they're not there. Who gives a damn about them? No one. That's evil. Bill O'Reilly, it is always good to talk to you. We'll... um... Talk to you again next week. You can find Bill O'Reilly at BillOReilly.com. BillOReilly.com. His new book comes out the 18th, um, Killing the, the Nazis. The 9th of October. Oh, the 9th. The 9th yeah, of October. You're going to be first in line, even though I sent you a free copy. I read it, You'll too. You'll buy another one. I read it, too. I don't know about that, but I, I, I read it. It's excellent. It's excellent. Thank you. The 9th of uh, October. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, thank you so much. BillOReilly.com. Interesting, you're talking about the Supreme Court and how, you know, Bill was saying it will never go back. Uh, and it feels certainly feels that way. We should also, though, recognize how recent a phenomenon this is. I mean, as, as Ruth Bader Ginsburg pointed out, she was confirmed 97, or what was it, uh, 96 to, to 3. three. Uh, then Breyer was 87 to 9. Then John Roberts, 78-22. Sam Alito, 58-42. Sotomayor. Now, this is under Obama. Sotomayor, 6831. Uh, Elena Kagan, 6337. And then finally, Gorsuch at 54 and Kavanaugh, question mark. He'll be lucky to get to 50 or 51. It it's amazing. That way. It's, it's not a yeah. recent thing. It's a Trump thing. It does. It's a Trump thing, and it's a Garland thing. I think they think yeah. they're so, they got so ripped off by the Garland thing, which Whatever. we've covered before, is not, is not true. But still, yeah, that's part of it, I think. All right. Let me tell you about our sponsor, this half hour, ZipRecruiter. We want to thank ZipRecruiter for being uh, a sponsor of ours. And, and look, it's a, it's a two-way street. They're not just uh, throwing their money our way because they necessarily like us. I don't <laughs> I don't even know that they do like us, but they know that we have uh, an audience that they are trying to reach because we have an audience of entrepreneurs and small businesses, 
uh, and business people at all levels. And that's who they're trying to reach. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. If you go there now, um, you'll be able to use them for free just to try it out. Now, this is not like, you know, other headhunters, if you will, or job sites. ZipRecruiter doesn't wait for the candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology, and it scans thousands of resumes and identifies the people, the right skills, education, and experience for the job, and invites them to apply. So you get the qualified candidates fast. You don't have to sit there and sort through a bunch of you know dead-end resumes and, and, and get an avalanche of stuff that you're not interested in. This is why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by the employers in the U.S. to find people to work at your place. Who you hire makes a ton of difference. How you hire makes a ton of difference. You want to save your time, save your time, save your money, uh, and just get moving? ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Try them now. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. The smartest way to hire. If we want the government to do less, then we ourselves have to do more. That was the founding principle of Mercury One, and that's why we have hundreds of semi-tractor trailers that are now moving into the Carolinas. Uh, We have volunteers. We have um, uh, people that are are prepared to feed 30,000 meals a day for the next few um, we have people who are going to help clean people's houses out and uh, take down the, the walls. If you've never been in a hurricane before, you've never seen anything like it. Um, what happens to your home is, I mean, it just has to be literally gutted, taken down to the studs, if it can be saved, taken down to the studs, and everything is just destroyed. Every bit of anything you've had in that is gone. Um, and it's it's... It's sad. It's actually really sad. But anyway, um, we already have the people on the ground there, but we so need your help. Um, Mercury One is uh, was stretched to the limit last year, and we need you to help us out. Even if you if you made a ten dollar reoccurring donation, ten dollars a month to Mercury One, it would be helpful. Um, But a five dollar donation just for today would be helpful. MercuryOne.org um, is the charity where when you donate to a specific thing, 100% of that dollar goes directly to that thing. Please help us help others. Do more so the government can do less. MercuryOne.org Glenn Beck is coming live to talk about the right path forward and to make fun of the people standing in the way. He might not be able to save the country, but at least we can all go down laughing. Glenn Beck Live, the Addicted to Outrage Tour, on tour this fall. Glenn Beck. Somewhere in a dark newsroom, an age-old editor is levitating, eyes glowing like radioactive soil, because... An unprecedented event has taken place right in front of our eyes. A puzzling miracle. Something not seen in journalism in years. The Associated Press has criticized Obama. I whisper his name because out out of reverence. The AP Guard has turned against their wizard leader. The Army has mutinied against their commander. The AP has always loved Obama, 
They had a crush on him. More of an obsession, really. They've always stored up their animus and directed it at one person. Anybody on the right. But now Donald Trump. Well, Trump and everyone around him, uh, you know, they're, you know, they, they go as so far to even mock, you know, First Lady Melania's hat on one occasion, insulted her fashion, her appearance, while all, you know, joining in on the uh, championing of uh, social justice, immigration and women's rights. But that's another conversation for another day. The article's title, quote, AP fact check. Obama doesn't always tell the straight story and quote, wait, what? I mean, I've gotten used to reading the headlines, you know, AP fact check Trump ruins America or AP fact check reality star embarrasses country or AP fact check orange man bad. But here's the opening line of the article. Former President Barack Obama recent denunciation of President Donald Trump's treatment of the press overlooks the aggressive steps the Justice Department took to keep information from the public during his administration. What is happening? I, I feel like a, a wormhole is opened up and all of us, we've, we've appeared in yet another parallel universe. Obama, quoting, Obama also made a problematic claim that Republicans sabotage and that has cost 3 million people their, their health insurance, end quote. Then they break down all the lies that Obama committed. Again, quick, check, check the AP story before it's sucked back into another vortex or another universe. Quote, Obama. It shouldn't be Democrat or Republican to say that we don't threaten the freedom of the press because they say things or publish stories we don't like. I complained plenty about Fox News, but you never heard me threaten to shut them down or call them enemies of the people. End quote. Rally Friday, University of Illinois. The facts, according to the AP, the facts. Trump may have used extraordinary rhetoric to undermine trust in the press, but Obama arguably went farther, using extraordinary actions to block the flow of public information to the public. Wait, hold it. Wait, I again, Stu. Are you reading that right? Are you reading that uh, AP? I, you're reading it with me, are you not? Yeah, but maybe I don't understand. This is this can't be happening. Are you married to Lisa <laughs> in this universe? Uh, oh yeah, still. Wow. Okay. Uh, that that one is. Well, then you traveled. Rough. You traveled with me, so I don't know what universe this is. <laughs> they just said Obama went farther than Trump in undermining the press. Overall. Dare I say great thing? A sign the AP might even be trying to regain some of its ability to do actual journalism. But I'm I mean, I don't like to throw the word trauma around, but I think I might have some sort of shock that I'm in. Uh, I mean, they actually said that Obama's rhetoric to the press was worse than Trump's is because he took action. Oh, crap. Is this the last day on Earth? Is Jesus coming today? Because I think I think the AP turning on Obama and saying, no, 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 Trump is bad. But did you see what this guy did? 
I think I hear the hoofbeats of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's Friday, September 14th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Can we have an adult conversation here for a second? Um, and that means that we're going to have one that is going to be filled with some puzzlement and some conjecture and some uh, worries that are not provable and not even they're They're just. They're they're human beings meeting together, trying to figure out what the hell happened. Did you see what happened in in Andover, uh, Massachusetts yesterday? The fire, the explosions. Yeah, that was very strange. Why? What? What? What is that? There were 70 fires and explosions yesterday. 70. They were all all part. Apparently, we still don't know, but apparently they were all something to do with the gas lines. So if your house was on this gas line, um, it just blew up. And over a thousand people in this area had to get out. And there's it was um, it was Merrimack Valley, which has, I think, three towns in it. Lawrence, Andover and North Andover. Uh, One person died in a chimney uh, from a house explosion. um, And it wasn't he wasn't in the chimney. The chimney fell, blew out and fell on his car and he was in the car. Uh, There are 20 people in the hospital one is in critical condition. I'm just looking here. Uh, one is in serious condition. Uh, ten people have uh, are being treated for um, for shock and and trauma because of the explosion, but they don't know what caused it. They had to depressurize all of the lines and clear all the lines of gas, and that's that's what stopped it. But they're still working on the fires today. Seventy. Now, that, I mean, we have to find out what happened there, uh, and obviously they will. But this is the kind of thing. I am not saying this is what happened. But this is the kind of thing that should wake us up to the kind of attacks that I think can be done in cyber warfare. I don't know if these gas lines were connected to the Internet, but this is the kind of thing that can happen when somebody hijacks, uh, uh, you know, a utility. They can make these things happen. I am not saying that's what did. No, but you're. Yeah, right. I mean, they've talked about attacks on infrastructure through cyber means for a long time. Correct. And this is the way it would manifest itself. This could just have been some, I don't know what, and they don't know what, and I'm sure they will find out. But this is the kind of thing that you have to mentally understand. This is the kind of, if, if we go into, into war, God forbid, war has always been fought someplace else. But Vladimir Putin said the next war, World War III, and he has claimed we are already in it. Um, he said the next war will be fought with ones and zeros. And that's the way it manifests itself. Now, imagine that happening all over the country. I mean, how do you how do you survive? I mean, that's if you could do that 
in in places all over the country holy cow i will say to vladimir that it can't be the next war if we're already in it well i then it's the next the war after this you tell vlad got it that got it vlad i will transmit that to vladimir (laughs) when i have 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 opportunity after the election that's very Um, good yeah it's it's scary and it's um you know there's been a lot of talk about this uh recently uh, they actually go through some of this in uh, the Woodward book as well uh, on the on cyber attacks and how that's manifested itself and whether you know the the U.S. has flirted with the idea over the past few years uh, to to use cyber attacks against uh, you know uh, North Korea and mm-hmm. and other regimes mm-hmm. to tr- uh, Iran was another mm-hmm. to try to show that we have those capabilities. Uh, without starting a massive new war correct and it's a it's a tough line because you know those things they are real uh you know that's real warfare and they're trying to now kind of come with it come up with a policy and this has happened through the end of obama and the beginning of trump's administration as to how to treat those things because do we treat a, a cyber attack from north korea as if they bombed us and you might think off the top of your head, well, no, I mean, it's a cyber attack. I mean, you know, maybe we respond in kind. But as you point out here, these cyber attacks can lead to real people dying. This isn't if always a, just a about massive cyber attack. Yeah, if a ma- massive cyber attack happened on the United States of America, more pe- massive, more people would die than th- from the bombs that we dropped. I mean, you could you could shut down power. Uh, for a very long time, you use an EMP, you could shut it down for a year plus, but you, you could shut down power. You could shut down um, any kind of any kind of power or communication in areas in a snowstorm or or a heat wave. I mean, you could shut down, uh, you know, medical centers. What what happens if you could shut down the eastern seaboard? How many people would die? Mm. What kind of chaos would happen? We saw a a little example of this with Puerto Rico, right? I mean, they lost power. They just got it back full over the full island last month, I believe it was. It's been a year. Um, And, you know, the estimates are about 3000 people died. And and by the way, Trump took a lot of heat for his tweeting about, um, you know, the the amount of people who died. And I don't of course, I don't know exactly what you know, what he thinks happened. But it is a very strange process that gets us to that number. This is not a number of like, hey, here's a bunch of people who got crushed by trees. Here are their births, their death certificates. That's how many people we have. That's how if it happened in Iowa. Right. That is exactly how we would, we would know the this. names of we would everybody. Know their names. We would be able to count them. When people die, you individually count how many there are. Right. And there's you might mis- say that mystery. there's mis- you might say there's, you know, missing. Right. You might say missing for right. a while. But like in the Liberian Civil War, we might estimate how many people have died because mm-hmm. it's, you know, in Darfur, we might have to estimate. Nobody has paperwork. In Nobody- Iowa, you don't do that. Right. right. Like. These are American citizens. The way they found out the number of people who died is they the government came up with an uh, got an independent study done to calculate the estimated excess deaths that occurred on the island in the time period following the hurricane. So they didn't get a bunch of like here's a bunch of death certificates. They instead have a estimate. I mean, this is the last line of the New York Times story about how they they came up with this number. The actual number of excess deaths, again, not deaths caused by the hurricane, 
but they're just estimating how many people should have died in Puerto Rico from other causes. And then adding, they're saying the number went over that by 3,000 and saying, well, that, they must have died from the hurricane. And it goes like this. The actual number of excess deaths was statistically estimated to be in the range of 2,658 to 3,290. So they can't come, they can't get it narrowed down to six or 700 different people. This is, these are U.S. citizens we're talking about. This, at best, at best, you could say, look, they're just getting their power back, et cetera, et cetera. And it could be these numbers. It could be a lot less. Yeah. I mean, imagine if we said, you know, how many people died in the World Trade Center? Initially, we thought it was going to be, could be 20 or 30,000. Right. Right. I mean, and then we, instead, we just said, how many people in New York over this time period what should have died. Yeah, should have died. And how many did die? Right. And it's a little I mean, higher. So we'll assume all those people died in the World Trade Center. That's insane. Yeah. That's uh, insane. It might be a good way to start if right. you have nothing else. But you should follow that up with. But the number is truly unknown. And until they get back on their feet and people are like, whatever happened to Uncle Bill? Yeah. Then you can count them. That's incredible that that's yeah, it's possible really in the United States. It's really nuts. And people don't think of Puerto Rico as the United States. They vote. They pay taxes. They are part of the United States. It's it's obscene that uh, this has been going on this long. We have 7,000 troops ready to go in North Carolina and South Carolina right now. 7,000 troops have been ready to go in. Puerto Rico how many how many troops were there for how long and would any of us have accepted that North Carolina just didn't have power for a year no way no way all right I want to share some uh, feedback from our partners at uh, Palm Beach Letter and Tika Tawari's crypto course 97% of the people in our listening audience who have um, taken his crypto course have given him a four or five star rating and the the reviews are just great you can find them yourself and and look for it at smartcryptocourse.com but read the reviews because people are all basically saying the same thing i either had absolutely no idea what cryptocurrency was and the role it played and i didn't understand you know bitcoin or blockchain and now i do all the way to those who said i thought i was pretty educated on this um, and this really opened my eyes, and, and I, I really think I have it this time. Uh, visit smartcryptocourse.com. Find out why this is changing the world, what this means for you, why this could be game-changing investment for as little as like $100. I believe everyone should have $100 in Bitcoin. Everybody should have $100 in Bitcoin right now. Uh, find out why I believe that smartcryptocourse.com or call 877-PBL-BECK 877-PBL-BECK smartcryptocourse.com Addicted to Outrage The new book from Glenn Beck Addicted to Outrage is available everywhere on September 18th Pre-order it now at Amazon.com Okay Look, Can we talk a little bit about uh, the latest scandal oh, now? finally Finally. Yeah, we're trying, we've been trying to hide it. Yep, we've been trying to hide it all day, but we can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikki Haley, big Trump administration scandal. The New York Times nailed her. Uh, Nikki Haley's view of New York is priceless. Her curtains? $52,701 for curtains. Do we know how... 
curtains. Do we know how big the windows were? Does it even matter? Uh, well, it, well, kind Does of it matter. Well, ki- well, a if they were you know three block long curtains, probably that's a good deal. Um, if they were in her house or her <laughs> office, uh, it's in her they, in her residence. Okay, in the residence so, for the U.S. Ambassador. ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> so it's in the ambassador's residence. Yes. So, in other words, the place where the <laughs> leaders from all around the world oh, come. Oh, I see where you're going. You're trying to justify this. You you know what? Yeah, I you're, didn't justify. I didn't mm-hmm. justify, you know, uh, uh, Ben Carson's, you know, I don't remember what it was, $20,000 dining table. He's a government official working in a government building. You're not bringing in the world. You're not bringing... You got a bunch of government people working around a table. You can have a card table, far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Stop. However, the ambassador is like the ambassador's residence is a little like the Oval Office. I don't care if you go a little crazy on decorating that. You're projecting something. You can't get five thousand dollar curtains, though, Nikki. I mean, you can't get a thousand dollars on curtains. That's not enough for you. Fifty two thousand dollars. <laughs> you ever purchased anything in New York? Well, sandwiches are about $52,000, but yes, yeah. I have. <laughs> yes. I know it's expensive. Right. But let's be honest, that's ridiculous. And thank God the New York Times is there to step in and say, hey, Nikki, that's too much money. We're calling Nikki Haley out on that $52,000 expenditure. Good job, New York Times. And uh, I see that some other people are getting on this now, too. Uh, Jake Tapper has tweeted about this. Oh, boy. Uh, and he notes in the sixth paragraph of that New York Times story, uh, a spokesman for Miss Haley, now having to now having to uh, answer for this, mm-hmm. you know, uh, said plans to buy the curtains were made <laughs> in 2016 during the Obama administration. Miss Haley had no say in the purchase. Elaborating, a source said, tells CNN it was decided well before the election in 2016 that the U.S. ambassador's residence would move from the Waldorf to its new location. The new location was unfurnished and unfinished. In June of 2016, it was decided that the State Department's Bureau of Overseas Buildings Operations would outfit the new residence. This is standard operating procedure for ambassadors' residences across the globe. In July of 2016, the first site visit was complete, and they chose those curtains in the summer of 2016. You might notice that being before the election of Donald Trump. Also, uh, standard standard operating procedure, they do not personalize residences to individual ambassadors' tastes. This isn't about blaming Obama and some and power who was the uh, uh, ambassador at the time it's standard operating procedure for outfitting ambassadors residences the outfitting of this residence had start, happened to start in 2016 but uh, ambassador haley had no choice in the location or of the residence or what curtains were picked okay, out so you know summer. what's really interesting is Unreal. jake tapper just uh, you know says wait a minute hang on just a second read the sixth paragraph in the sixth paragraph it says all of that and yet the headline of the mm-hmm. new york uh, times this is the only thing people read usually is uh look at how bad nikki haley is yeah, awful unbelievable This weekend, the uh, podcast continues a, um, a, um, an exclusive interview with uh, Robert Spencer. Robert Spencer is a guy who wrote The History of Jihad. He is being deplatformed, and not just by um, tech, but now by finance. He's a scholar. Uh, and if you disagree with him, present facts and, and show him wrong. Um, he is, you know, he has advised administrations in the past. He is a leading scholar on uh, radicalized um, Islam and jihad. 
MasterCard has come out and said any business that has anything to do with him, we will not honor our, you know, we will do no banking services for anything around him. And that's pretty frightening. That's pretty frightening. I want you to hear what this guy has to say before you can't hear it anymore. I want you, I, I, and I mean this sincerely, begin to burn things to DVD. Begin to burn interviews like this to DVD. Because I'm not sure that it will be available online. I'm not sure it, it will will be allowed to do these things in the future. The world has changed, and there's no hyperbole here. You can see it. Burn these to CD or DVD uh, and keep them. And, you know, I read almost everything on Kindle. I decided this week I'm not going to do that anymore. I may write, I may read them on Kindle, but I am buying any book that I think is important because I don't think, I, I think there is a possibility books just disappear you know 10 years down the road 8 years down the road can you tell me would you have predicted we're at where we're at now 8 years ago uh, even i tried to tell you things were going to be different but i couldn't tell you exactly how it was going to happen what it looks like i we are entering a very uh, different age so please sign up for the podcast you can stitcher you know um uh, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast, please listen to the podcast. We ask that you would rate it and review it. That is really important because it helps other people discover it. Uh, the Robert Spencer podcast comes out tomorrow. It is uninterrupted and fascinating, especially for uh, the week of 9-11. Welcome to Pat Gray. Hi, Pat. Glenn, good to see you. Good to see you. I can see it. It's I can see, see it in your eyes. Seething. It's seething mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. outrage on something today. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I, I thought I was the only one who was <clears throat> confused about this uh, Puerto Rican death toll number that, that Trump said is not accurate. It's not true. It very well may not be. Uh, and, and so I was glad to hear you guys saying that it was confusing and, and not conclusive too they, well, they came not, up with a, a number of three thousand from a george washington university study they they're guessing really they just found death tolls or the number of people who died before in puerto rico in non-disaster years and it was about three thousand more this time so they just attributed them all to the storm and that's don't a know good, that for a fact that's a good first start right but that's not something that you say that's how many people right. and die on your sword over and they're acting might, like he I, is denying science or something that's not a scientific number right it's a guess it's a guess yeah now it's i mean it, it might it be, might be higher it might be higher yeah. but it, it might, might be, be lower Considerably lower. Could be. We don't know, but CNN is attacking him as if it were hardcore fact. Like they found a pile of 3,000 bodies. They didn't. That's not how it worked. Yeah. I, I mean, it seems like this study is our current best guess is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's... And it, and look, they did they did do what, you know, they did in a science... Listen to the, listen to the process here. Our mm-hmm. excess mortality study analyze past mortality patterns in order to predict the expected mortality if Hurricane Maria had not occurred and compare this figure wow. to the actual deaths that so they occurred. Didn't, they're, they're just they didn't guessing even, at the at the 
They don't even the new number. They don't even. They didn't even use last year. That's amazing. They were predicting. They were right, predicting what it would have been this year. Oh my gosh! Yeah, oh, and then it says, "Oh the, my gosh!" That makes it even worse. The, I didn't know it was a predicted number. Yeah, the difference between those <laughs> two numbers is the estimate of excess mortality. Okay, and, which would be fine wow. if you say, "And this is our best guess estimate." And, at this time. And this happened mm-hmm. a couple of months ago. A different study uh, came out with, with, with a relatively similar number. Uh, it was over 2,000, I believe. Uh, and that one was not treated like this one is. And that one was like, okay, here's our first kind of the, the first kind of look at it. This one's just like absolute fact. And we you know I can with 100% certainty tell you it is not the uh, is not absolute fact because as the uh, actual as the New York Times story uh, points out. The actual number of excess deaths was statistically estimated to be in the range of 2,658 to 3,290. So they Hmm. they only have an estimate of 700 or so. They think it's somewhere in the middle of it, and they're highlighting this 2,975 number. Now, look, I do think it's likely to be, and we've kind of all said this since the beginning, it's likely to be higher than whatever it was 60 or 66 yeah, you they, have to that I was mean, you know think of the people who almost if you didn't have electricity think of the number of people who just died because they couldn't get insulin yeah i, I mean they, they didn't mm-hmm. have the, the mean, numbers water are, and you know yeah. cont- contamination and diseases people Correct. may have picked up and i mean all the number is going to happen. be huge but can we can we just stop with this I know the answer, and anyone well, who don't. says, I mean, it's crazy. You know what it reminds me of is uh, Hitler. The, <laughs> I wasn't going to go uh, quite there. Inquisition, something slightly more recent. McCarthyism, no, uh, it's more recent than that. Even uh, the nine-year-old who came up with the statistic Straw. on straws. Yeah, oh gosh, that was really. He bad. called a couple of companies, and they threw out numbers to him, and that became hardcore fact. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Or like the giant five hundred million or billion or whatever it was, or the giant garbage pile in the middle of the ocean, garbage pile that doesn't exist. exist. Right? It's not a real thing. Listen to this. This is amazing. The the proposed next phase of the George Washington study will examine the death certificates. That's the next phase. They haven't done this yet. The next phase will examine the death certificates recorded in the months after the hurricane. Can you and believe they didn't do that yet? Right? I can't believe you haven't really, done that. How could you release the information? What? Well, until you've done that. And right. again, I I, right. I I tend to place less blame on George Washington here than the media, because the media is the one saying yeah. this is a hardcore fact. Right. Um, you know, look, listen to this. They, they will look at the uh, death certificates and then, then they will, try, quote, try to determine through interviews with family members and others whether individual deaths should be attributed to the storm. And the thing is, they haven't done that yet. Everybody assumes that's how they came to the number. You know, they either yeah. found them or these people were missing and they went to the families and they died. Uh, this uh, right wing site, nytimes.com. Okay, that's what I thought. Wow. You know, it's interesting. Listen to this. Last two paragraphs, by the way, to point out in the study. See, it is. Last two. It's crazy. It's, it's amazing. The New York Times gets a bad rap as they don't report anything. They don't report the news. No, they do. Now, they always put it at the bottom all of the facts that change the, mm-hmm. the whole narrative are at the bottom. They miss they 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 lead people astray mm-hmm. with their headlines. But all of the facts are there. Yeah. Whose fault is that? Yeah. It's our fault because we don't read the damn story. And then we say New York Times didn't report the facts. They got the facts wrong. And the New York Times can actually say 
We're not fake news. We reported that. Mm -hmm. And they did. They buried it. They buried it. They give you a misleading headline. um, And then they stay silent, Mm -hmm. you know, when it is in their favor to, you know, bash Trump. But they still did report the facts. Yeah. And they do. I mean, look, they do some, you know, um, New York Times does some amazing work. Some of it is because they have resources that nobody else has. It I mean, is, they're, they're reporting on s- the Vegas shooting. Uh, some of the stuff they did for that was incredible. I mean, like I, they pieced together hundreds of cameras and pieces mm-hmm. of audio to sh- go walk through that timeline. It's incredible reporting. Yeah. They do. They just blow it a lot. Like the, the Nikki Haley right. thing we just talked about. Where, you know, $52,000 curtains, but it was actually in the Obama administration. And actually, even the Obama administration had no specific control over the But it was in there. But it was in there. It was in paragraph six. Right. But But it was was in there. there. But the headline said, Nikki Haley's got $53,000 curtains. Look at her nice view. Right. And it's like, all right, that's just a terrible. So that gets shared. The headline gets shared. Wow. uh, And they get what they want out of it. But they did actually report it in there. So it's not fake news. The reporter can say, I'm not lying. Even though they buried it, it's the headline that is misleading. But they can honestly say, "I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you." And I did, and I had those facts in the story. And when those facts are in the story, it becomes a non-story. That's yes. not even a story anymore. No, it's not. So the whole thing is ridiculous. Yeah. No, that I mean, they even put that it, it, in the paper. Here it is. Here's the headline: Government out of control. Fifty-two thousand dollar curtains in new ambassador's residence. Right. Okay? Yeah. That's the story. Cuz it's it's really not. I mean, $52,000 for the ambassador where you're bringing people in and heads of state and everything else and it's not for it was done by one administration, it'll be done again by the next administration. Um that's not really a story. I think the the argument is should should we be spending that to project power? for our ambassador in new york city or not that's the that's only a fair, that's a fair question that's a fair question but you don't pin that on nikki haley no no <laughs> that's incredible but again you you see where the split is by us claiming fake news for two stories that cover the facts albeit again i grant you buried buried this buried the story you know buried the actual facts that exonerate mm-hmm. they were still in there by saying this is fake news they never report the facts the people who actually do read the stories all the way and uh, when you read when you subscribe to the new york times many times at least i do you read the whole story and when you're reading the whole story, you're like, no, it, they've, they've got all of that in there, which discredits us instead of discrediting them because we're arguing something that isn't true. Right. We should be arguing right. the skewing of the news, mm-hmm. not the reporting of falsehoods. And, and you know, look, the, the Times is the bigger uh, problem here than us, right? Like they, they have made that. This is a, the, a legitimate mistake uh, at the very least. And I think. Uh, worse than that with that headline about Nikki Haley. I mean, oh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Deliberately no, 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 no. it's deliberately misleading skewed. to make her look bad when she did nothing wrong. Yep, deliberately that, skewed. That's really, really bad. Yep. Um, but you're right. It's different than saying... It's like when people say climate change is a hoax, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't like that terminology at all because... And, you know, I'm one of the biggest climate spe- skeptics you're going to find. Yes. Um, but I, what I really don't like about that is it's it's so easy for the, for them to say... 
it's not a hoax. Well, what right? they've like, done with it, it is the hoax. You're right. Like the what they want to do, mm-hmm. the, the policies they want to do, those are bad policies, and 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 the approach and they don't do is anything. wrong. The catastrophism, and, yeah, yeah, the, the scaremongering mm-hmm. is 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 bad. But just saying climate change is a hoax is such an easily defeatable thing to so many people because look, there are scientific measures that show some of these things are going on. What's the best way for us to handle it? Right. Like, do we go in and say uh, that we should adapt to these things as we go or spend trillions of dollars now when there's hungry people all over the place? Just got a just got a friend uh, who's a a kind of a lefty Democrat, not really a lefty. Um, I sent it to send him my book and he said best position I think I've ever heard on climate change. Oh, really? And that's the position I took. Mm. I Look it's it's what you want to do that's wrong Mm -hmm. that doesn't work that doesn't work and i showed how people are using uh, climate change to be able to call each other liars when get out of that conversation get it stop stop that argument yeah that's not the argument and once we know what the argument is and we know um where you can actually open people's minds and find the common ground with the not the zealots but the average person, all of a sudden, it's a game changer because all of a sudden you go, oh, wait a minute. OK, you are kind of reasonable. They, they say that to you. You are kind of reasonable. Shields go down and you can actually have a com- conversation. By the way, uh, if I could just tease the fact that we're going to take a break from insanity. Hour two of Pat Gray Unleashed today with more on trivia. Was ah. it, what, was it, what was it last week? Uh, it was right. It was right last week. More on it trivia. It didn't look right, though, right? It was 100%. Right? right. Yeah. yeah. It, it was 20 to nothing at halftime. And people and they were came like, back oh, and won. more on trivia is not going to be right this week. And <laughs> I don't know how this game does either. this, but it's always it's right. It's <laughs> correct. It is. Thank you very much. Pat Gray and Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network immediately following this program. For most Americans... Their home is their biggest investment. Now, how do you sell your home? How do you how, who is representing you on selling the biggest investment of your life? Realestateagentsitrust.com. You need somebody who knows the market, knows the area, has a proven track record, is the best in your area, is somebody who understands marketing, modern day marketing, not balloons and an open house sign, but modern day marketing. Somebody who is going to somebody who in your area is selling so many houses uh, that yours is easily swept up into that because that's where all of the people are going to look. They've, they've again, it comes back to marketing. They've got the system that is just pooling people through and uh, pulling them in to see your house. That's who's going to sell your house on time and for the most amount of money. We have, I don't know, 1,500 agents, all of them hand-selected uh, for, their, for their ethics, but also for their knowledge and their track record. Thousands of families have already sold their home through realestateagentsitrust.com. Put them to the test. The results speak for themselves. realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck. So the Bob Woodward book is worth reading for the last chapter alone because it speaks volumes about how the media is handling this with Russia. It is very clear. It just changes the the uh, narrative entirely in Trump's favor. Yeah, Trump looks really good uh, yeah. in many parts of that last chapter. Um, another thing that's interesting is a lot of people say, you know, he has no ideological beliefs. He doesn't have a, a principled belief system. Um, when it comes to politics and policy, mm-hmm. the book makes it very clear, if you believe it, that he absolutely does.
does when it comes to trade. It's the one thing he really cares about. He's pushing for it believe constantly. It. Um, tariffs? Tariffs and trade. Uh, you, you believe know. those tariffs and trade? Is it look at all that he is just using this as a tool? To I get- do not. I, is, look, I mean, I, I never believe this, but I mean, uh, I don't think it's a negotiation. I think it's 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 what he wants to do. And again, he was elected president of the United States on that policy. Elections he should be able to try to push it through. That's right. Congress gave him the power. That's so, right. I mean, you that's know, right. that's what happens. But I, that's pretty clear throughout the book. Glenn Beck Mercury